The Future of Film Summit is coming on the 26th of November. This is the essential event for anyone who wants to discover the technologies, strategies and techniques that are transforming film. And Film Disruptors listeners, yes, that's you, can get an incredible 33% discount on standard ticket prices. In order to do this, just go to futureoffilm.live, click buy tickets, and at checkout, select member. Just remember to mention Film Disruptors at Ticket Collection. So that's futureoffilm.live and select member at checkout to secure your reduction. Don't miss this incredible opportunity to be part of shaping the future of film. Not only do we have outstanding speakers, workshops and hands-on demos, we're now incredibly excited by the delegates who have already signed up to be part of the event from across the value chain, major streaming services, public funders, Hollywood studios, and storytellers from across the board. Secure your ticket today at futureoffilm.live. Hello and welcome to Film Disruptors Season 3. My name is Alex Stoltz and as regular listeners will know, this is a show where I share insights and strategies from the trailblazers who are shaping the future of film. This session was recorded live at the excellent New Cinema Conference in Amsterdam held in the i-building there which is this incredible and beautiful film center well worth a visit if you get the chance and after a half a day and a half looking into the future of cinema with some incredible speakers from across exhibition this closing session features experts from varying fields discussing their perspective on cinema and its place in the wider culture and industry so we have international VOD expert and Right Stuff founder, Wendy Bernfeld, innovator, teacher, and managing director of the German Producers Association, Erwin Schmidt, acclaimed storyteller and producer of one of my favorite films in recent years, The Lunchbox, which if you haven't seen it, well worth a watch, Anurag Kashyap, who, by the way, has just launched India's first blockchain film distribution system called MyNK. And last but by no means least, Michelle Rayak, who is an internationally recognized pioneer of VR, curator of Venice VR Days. And if you like what Michelle is saying, you'll be pleased to know that he will be joining me again for a standalone episode on the show in the near future. In this conversation, then we look ahead into the next five years and speculate on what the challenges and opportunities are for cinema over that time. What kinds of innovation would benefit the industry in this context of shifts in home entertainment, in production, in storytelling? and immersive media. It was a fascinating conversation to be part of, and I hope you find it equally so. If you are enjoying the show or just want to find out more, there are a couple of ways to stay in touch. Firstly, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Just click subscribe on iTunes to get the latest episodes as soon as they drop onto your device, your desktop, 
however you like to listen to your podcasts. Also, you can sign up for updates at the home of Film Disruptors. That's www.alexstoltz.com. Just enter your email to receive all the latest Film Disruptors news and episodes straight to your inbox. And this is also where you can access previous episodes, find out more about our featured guests, and get in touch. I'd love to hear from you. So that just leaves me to say thank you to the New Cinema Conference 2019. Without them, this episode would not have been possible. And thank you to you for listening. I hope you enjoy this show. We are here at the New Cinema Conference in Amsterdam, uh, and we're talking about the future of cinema. So I'd like to start this chat um, by asking each of you in turn what you think are going to be the biggest challenges, opportunities for cinema in the next five years. So Wendy Burnfield, would you like to, <laughs> would you like to start? I think uh, the opportunity is the ability for audiences to go beyond the cinema into other niches and passions. Um, there's a huge demand and they're not always served by their local cinema. So VOD uh, also paired with cinema presents that opportunity. But I think the challenges for in the coming years for us in cinema to pick the lessons that can work and cross over well. Uh, you know, does one have a related VOD to complement its main a main screen experience? Does one uh, partner with ones that already exist, uh, such as with festivals, and um, complement in that way? But most of all, as I tried to say in the, in the talk, I think being able to reward your audiences in this era of split attention for being your fans and for coming to the cinema and giving them uh, some form of engagement beyond social media uh, is the tap. Yeah, and yeah. it's a relationship between cinema and VOD and what, what that relationship's going to be mm -hmm. and how that unfolds. Fascinating. Erwin, uh, could you please give your perspective on the next five years and the challenges and opportunities for cinema? From my point of view, the big uh, challenges in the coming years for uh, movie theaters, both as a cultural destination and as an entertainment destination, will be to um, rewrite the storytelling of the experience. So what does cinema going actually stand for? And that goes hand in hand with basically uh, reinventing or rewriting uh, new arguments for audiences to leave to leave their uh, comfy homes and 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 go um, to the movie theater um, and my my assumption is that in in the in the coming years uh, the four s's so they stand for screen seat sound and service will no longer be uh, sufficient uh, sufficiently good arguments for for audiences to leave their home I like, I like that idea of storytelling a lot. It seems very appropriate, but also it could lead to some very interesting results. Anna Rag, may, may I come to you and welcome, welcome back um, as, a, as a producer, a writer, director, 
storyteller. Um, tell me what your perspective is on, on cinema and w what it's facing in the next five years. I, I think cinema has to, they have to change their ways in the sense the traditional conservative ways of how they distribute movies and show movies. And I'll say, for example, I'm here in Amsterdam and I want to watch a local movie or buy a local movie. They don't have English subtitles. The highest selling distributed movies are from China, from India, and uh, even if you go to Korea. They always release all their movies when a, with subtitles in a language that is accessible to all. Mm. And I sit here, I am want, wanting to watch movies. I have to wait till someone in an English-speaking country acquires the film and puts it out there. Right. Which is why I would go online to watch the film. Because somewhere online, somebody sitting there will take the effort to subtitle the movie and pirate it. That's the audience you're dealing with. So we need to cut out the digital boundaries. Me, as a, I'm a filmmaker and I'm also a cinephile. I consume as much movies as I make, right? And in between is the entire system which is sitting in the room. And neither me as a filmmaker or as a cinephile is satisfied. <laughs> because as a filmmaker, when I put out my film out there, I don't know who's watching it, where it's going, what am I getting back out of it. Mm. It's lost in the system. Mm. As a cinephile, I don't get the experience I want because it's largely controlled by somebody who's controlling the exhibition and who decides what time the movie is going to play. I, the, naturally, a whole lot of people will gravitate towards comfort and accessibility. So there's a whole lot of people trying to exercise control. So it's not becoming a community experience. I love watching movies on screen. But I, there's so many movies I want to see, I don't get to see them on screen. And is that because those movies are not being shown or they're not being shown with the... With no, the, it, with is, it is the presumption that for this film, there is a larger audience. For this film, there is none or no audience. Mm. I'm saying there has to be, like for example, what VOD is almost like a multiplex for cinephiles. It's a multiplex for cinephiles. Mm. I go and find out which film I want to watch. It's available to me mm. at my time, at my convenience. Mm. There's an abundance on VOD, isn't there? Uh, and that's exactly and what and I also how? see we are going to play a larger role in that future because our biggest format is IMAX and VR is like surround eye. VR is probably, people are going to use VR to just watch movies they can't see in cinema because when you have a total VR with a proper sound system and everything, yeah. it's a whole cinema experience. It's better than IMAX. Yeah. And people are going to sit back and just watch their IMAX movies on their VR. So it's about the reason, the reason to get them out of the house and to give for them a the choice. For that, it has to be. Because at the end of the day, people like community experience. But for that, things have to be more accessible. Things mm. have to be more out there and much more choices. Mm. Our choices are very limited when a big blockbuster movie comes out and every cinema is playing just that. And all the other, like, I have been trying to find out where to go and watch Portrait of Lady on Fire in Amsterdam because playing here with English subtitles, I found one show at 6.45 at a cinema far away. And we're going to go there and watch mm. that film. Mm. But because one wants to do that and one wants to chase a film. Well, if I can come to Michelle, uh, in, in, in the virtual cinema, Michelle, uh, presumably there could be 
unlimited choice. Well, I just wanted to say to Anurag that already one of the main reasons why people use the VR headsets is to actually watch Netflix movies, mm. you know, on a flat screen, just because they can watch them in such good conditions, because yeah. you reproduce the experience of watching it in a giant screen, which is far superior as an experience to what you yeah. can get on what the computer. Nice, yeah. yeah, exactly. Mm. So it's already one of the reasons why VR is, um, is becoming popular. But to answer your question, Mm. Um, about my perception of the next challenge is that I think if we talk about the future of the collective experience of stepping out of your home and going to a different place to watch a movie, that choice needs to be uh, designed around the concept of an experience. But the experience is not about the technology that is going to be in it that needs to be taken for granted. But the one thing that I find is lacking in cinemas is the human warmth dimension of it. Um, and as long as going to the cinema will feel like going to a shop, I think it has no future. I think it has to provide a full experience where you know, feeling the warmth of other people around the, and really emphasize the collective experience. I think the collective experience is very often used as, an, as a cheap alibi. To me, going to a, a cinema, most times the collective dimension is a problem. It's not fun to have people not behave because the education around cinema is getting lost. And when you're sitting with people that are eating and chatting and work, you know, looking at their phones all the time, I don't like it. I'm sorry. Yeah. So something needs to be done about transforming the concept and the setting so that it becomes truly a human experience as opposed to all the things we can have online and digitally. It needs to focus on the physical reality dimension of it, at the same time as doubling up the, the theater into a virtual entity where also, from my home, I can buy a ticket to that theater to watch the film in a virtual reproduction of the theater itself. That's what I would do. Mm. And there's, so there's this, uh, I'm not sure it's a, it's a paradox, but it's a this tension between more personalization and the collective experience. But I suppose the personalization can be a very human Yeah, there are different kinds of storytelling in movies. There are movies that, like comedies work when there's a collective experience. Horror works when there's a collective experience. Mm -hmm. Horror doesn't work so much on Netflix or online. Because what happens with horror is you need people around you. When there's a scare. In comedy, when the five people are laughing, you start laughing. So they become collective and there's a whole lot of cinema that's very personal experience. So they are different and we have to separate them as a storytellers. And also there's a whole new audience that attention span is kind of reduced. So the short format is actually becoming very big. And the budgets in the short format are increasing. Like I have just finished a short film for which I was given a budget of close to 750,000 euros. That's not the budget people would offer earlier. Because the consumption is so high. Where's that going to be distributed? Ah, Netflix. Yeah. But <laughs> sh short, short film being how long? Well, it's like a 35 minutes. Okay. But I'm, I'm saying what, what is there is it started with very low budget movies. The people would give very small amounts of money because they don't know where the short films would be projected. Mm. But with YouTubers coming in with this whole generation that's online with Snapchat, 
YouTube, Instagram, and YouTubers are becoming that big stars. They make more money and they get offered more money than film stars. So this whole new generation that mm. prefers to watch short format, which is where Kubu that that thing works, that like Could ten be. minute episode mm -hmm. works very well. There's a shorts TV that has come up that's acquiring shorts across the world and they're paying any kind of money for it. Yet in the same breath, that same generation, uh, young millennials are still loving cinema, yeah. at least in my experience. Yes, they but they approach it differently. For example, um, you know, my son, if I use a personal example, will pre-screen a bunch of stuff online yeah. and then decide the one movie that 20 of his friends will go to with their girlfriends on Saturday night. Yeah. And so that need for curation, but it's not a substitution for the big screen experience. Mm. But because their budgets are low and their time is limited, they want to pick the right things to see in a cinema. And it's not only the Marvels and the, the blockbusters, but you can use youth influencers to find hidden indie gems. Yes. You know, gay and lesbian stories, uh, eco stories, whatever, but they have to capture one influencer or two, and by influencer I don't mean a YouTube star, but I mean someone passionate about uh, and there's a kind film. of a social consciousness and about cinema socially, and about music, about yeah. everything. Which they're influencing each other. Yeah. And then they go to the cinema, but that step of getting people to discover stuff that isn't a blockbuster is missing, whereas it's available in, in a flawed way, whatever, but it's available on VOD. Mm. And if we can capture that, but bring it over to cinema, there's a way to capture that uh, type of audience. Yeah, I mean, that's actually... That's the trick, right, isn't it? Because you've, you've identified there's so much content, there's so many options for people to, to, to watch. How can discovery. we... Discovery. Yeah, it's the discovery and the motivation to... Uh, to, to, to the urgency to, mm -hmm. to, to leave the house. Are you, have you seen any interesting examples of VOD and cinema? Um, merging. Merging or, or, or working together to benefit both? Yeah, I mean, there are in, in Canada or in festivals, uh, in Denmark, there's a crossover where you might see the latest work of a, of a recent director in the cinema, but then they bring around it through VOD, yeah. uh, his earlier works, short films, right. and a talk with coffee, you know, that's promoted. And suddenly you get a resurgence. And there's also technology yeah. that we've been developing about where, like if I say, for example, in India, traditionally, there's non-Hollywood and non-Bollywood films don't come out. And say, for example, I want to screen Parasite. Mm -hmm. So at a pre-sold 25 tickets, I get the right, upload the film, and through the platform, I can screen it for that many number of people. Mm. So for which I just directly reach out and buy the film for that one screening and I don't have to go to 10 different places and bother with censorship and things because you're talking about people yeah. having the choices. Alex, if, if I may say, I think the, one of the things that has, has struck me yesterday and today is that very often we um, confuse two things, which is one, access to the content yeah. and two, the, the experience of being outside of the home and and partaking yeah. in an experience. Mm -hmm. And if we talk about cinema owners that have a place where they need to bring people to that place, the experience is key. 
what I find is that today, most times, I feel like going to the cinema is like going to a shop. They're in VR. We're working very hard on the concept of inboarding and outboarding, which means how do you design within the story world the transitioning of coming from the street and that moment until you put on the headset and bing, you're in the virtual world. How do you design that transition? And same, when you take it out, how do you transition back to the real world as a storytelling device? In cinema, I find that it's all almost all of, the, all of the time about buying the ticket and once you've seen the movie, so, nothing happens. You're just yeah. thrown out and sometimes through ugly corridors out. Mm -hmm. This is impossible. This, this makes the experience mm -hmm. just unpleasant. So one thing is to think of the experience of being outside of your home, which needs to be, a lot needs to be improved around this. And then as uh, Anurag was saying, Accessing the content and the diversity of the content that will be tailored to me is another thing that needs also to mm. be worked on. But it's two yep. different aspects very well, of the same. Very well explained. Yeah. Owen, did you want to... Yes, I wanted to, uh, to pick up on what uh, Michelle just mentioned, the experience. It's something I'm very fascinated by. And I think there is, there is, uh, it's interesting to differentiate the two, the two terms, social experience and collective experience. And cinema has been referenced... To, uh, to throughout the whole day today as a social experience, and I fundamentally disagree um, with that with that thought. I think cinema is a collective experience in the sense that we are going to a place and we are sharing a certain moment. We're sharing, you know, the film on screen. We're sitting next to each other, but social a social experience, in my understanding, requires a certain type of exchange, chatter, talk, uh, everything that we do when, when we are actually uh, together, a colloquial uh, moment. And Vanessa mentioned this morning that you know, she has this desire to, uh, to meet the staff, to know who the manager is in, in, in the cinema that she goes to. And uh, you know, there is this like, invisible barrier. And I think if you're talking about you know, the, the storytelling, because that's something as a, as a, as a viewer, as, as a cinema goer, I'm very interested in. You know, the, the storytelling, what, what's the story that the cinema tells me beyond the film that I can see there? Uh, creating, creating these, these touch points for, for, for audiences um, is, is a huge opportunity. And I'm not saying that is, that is um, a, a recipe, but I think there is room to experiment and to find out, coming back to what we discussed er earlier in the context of testing and, testing and learning. I, I also... Uh, was thinking of an experience in Montreal with a cinema that's medium, not a big blockbuster multiplex, but not an art house sort of niche. And what was amazing is you came out of the cinema and they offered a free drink in exchange for giving your feedback on the film. Almost like voting at a festival, only mm -hmm. it wasn't a film festival. Mm -hmm. And so normal audience members were actually asked their opinion. What did you like? What didn't you like? This, that. You know, and they had a, a free drink or something, or a chocolate bar. It doesn't matter. It was being asked. Mm -hmm. And then when they heard the answers, the staff who were trained or students or interns, they said, well, we have three other suggestions for you. You know, mm -hmm. that might fit this. Mm -hmm. If you like this, you might like these. Mm -hmm. And in a way, a human recommendation engine mm -hmm. yeah. without the algorithm, yeah. I, I think that's, that's, that's missing. That's and it's, it's not that hard to do if mm -hmm. you're not rushing people out the door. I know yes. there's some, some of the archives <laughs> in the world yeah. where you walk in yeah. and you 
pick the movie there great number of people and you pick the movie you want to watch and just play it they'll play it for you like an arcade okay no. yeah so that's a very so that's a yeah another like tackling that uh, access point of view but the 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 onboarding and outboarding mm-hmm. that's a lovely yeah. example of outboarding and uh you know what let them leave yeah. exactly <laughs> i mean why I, I and the onboarding is is a, is very interesting as well i mean i uh, one of the things i love about secret cinema is the experience mm-hmm. starts as soon as you buy your ticket mm-hmm. you get an email about what character you might start to adopt in 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 the performance uh and you start thinking about that you get and then you get sequential emails as you build up towards the the actual event so w- what could cinema do more in that space before people arrive even in the building the the challenge with with this is of course cinema the the, the very the very you know f- premise of the cinema is that it's scalable mm-hmm. and something like secret cinema is not scalable it's a, it's a one off operation but between between a one off and and something that needs to work on a on a on a scalable uh, basis there is i think there is there is room for for mm-hmm. experimentation mm-hmm. and of course we don't want always like a secret cinema experience but we might Once also a want a little more than uh, than just you know this extremely unpersonal yeah. on and off boarding i've never i've never had an email saying you know yeah. you, are you looking forward to your movie tonight alex yeah. you know these uh, these are some of the things that critics are saying you know why not grab a drink we've got a special offer with you know Which is automatic. i mean I'm, I'm not saying people aren't yeah. sending that but i i haven't mm. seen it myself mm. um so that's interesting. And so really we're, we're, we're talking about the experience and how that can be optimized because it's the USP. Michelle? No, we, I just wanted to say, listening to this, it makes me realize that sometimes we look at a film as a finished product, which it is. But when you were relating to redesigning the story, telling the story, the telling of the story of the cinema experience, that's what it's about. What if the film becomes the main core of the experience, but the experience is not limited to that? Mm. For mm-hmm. Just an example that we discussed together. Um, I ha- when I was um, head of cinema at Arte, I, ma- I had an, exper- an experiment where we did a LARP, a live-action role-play around a movie called Tournée on Tour by Mathieu Amalric. And we, we invited uh, spectators to come and continue the film. It was 40 players who watched the film in the costumes of the <laughs> characters of the films that they had chosen to be. Mm-hmm. And when the film ended, they continued the story. The film ends with a big uh, mm-hmm. cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. So they were free to take the story and take it anywhere they want. They played for seven hours, a whole night after the film, and they wow. brought the film to a completely Im- collectively improvised ending. Um, and, and it was an amazing experience, and I've always wanted to do it again. But this is just an example of how mm. I think a film could be seen as the main piece of a story world. By story world, meaning that you can expand the story, you can let the people expand it their way, and you can uh, improvise, add on to the film all kinds of things that make the experience of watching the movie fuller. And on, on your behalf, I would like to clarify, I'm pretty sure you don't mean this to be the case for every single film. No, no it's an exactly, event. Exactly, it's an yeah. event to have this every now and then. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and like, you know, sometimes I think if the distributors and exhibitors watch the film before they play it out and adapt their behavior to it, 
around the kind of movie it is mm-hmm. and create an atmosphere like a joker probably would have a different kind of a you thing after only then the comedy point. Mm-hmm. yeah you know yeah. like the same thing in indian movies uh, the traditional um, indian movies dance takes yeah. a big place <laughs> What if you could have a workshop like once a week while you're playing that in that film with a very interesting and exciting mm-hmm. dance sequence where you learn the dance from that film mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you start inviting people to learn and perform the dance of the film mm-hmm. after they've seen the film things like that mm-hmm. there are millions of, of mm-hmm. things that could be done that all of a sudden mm-hmm. make the cinema a place where more happens mm-hmm. than just buying a ticket to watch a film mm-hmm. yeah And there's some movies where I'm watching in cinema, and I feel like I don't want to just leave. I want to stay here for 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And movies that have that impact on you, maybe the next show should be delayed a little bit and allow people to be there and to talk to each and other. Cry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 yeah. I think there's lots of things one can do yeah. mm-hmm. around the around mm-hmm. the experience and and focusing on that unique selling point that cinemas have: the physical location where people can come together. But even, I mean, just going to the cigar-chomping business side for a minute, the... Uh, Chomp away. <laughs> even, you know, to address the price barriers that a lot of people have, mm-hmm. finding uh, uh, some form of reward discounting, like if you've seen five movies, you get the next one at a lower price, or, you know, whatever these models are, mm. to encourage repeat mm. coming. Uh, to make uh, you know if if you're buying a ticket maybe the parking can be cheaper when you're buying it for a film mm-hmm. uh, the way it happens in in department stores you get a half price parking if you're mm-hmm. shopping that doesn't happen often to my knowledge mm-hmm. in uh, cinema they're mm-hmm. in, they're distinct you know this 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 uh, yeah. curzon i used to go and watch a lot of movies at curzon curzon yeah and in you know, where i would love to go for screening for the filmmakers there yeah. you know that interaction Once it's sometimes so important when cinephiles when they watch a film mm-hmm. they want to interact as a filmmaker i want to interact i need to know that that direct interaction the direct communication with the audience well, is somehow there's a lot of walls in between and i have which, seen which is happening in the internet digital yeah. world and i have seen a few cinemas that of course they're not going to bring hollywood stars over but where they've done a uh, a video and they play the video after of the director talking mm. to people about it so he's not in the room but there's something more than just the film mm. that they can follow up mm. with i would i would assume that this is something that could be tested with younger audiences who are used to watching people doing something all the time anyhow i mean i'm fascinated by by the by by the success of uh, of people who play a game and then there is thousands and millions of people who watch them play a game on youtube <laughs> or, or or on twitch so th- yeah. that could actually be appealing we would we would we would think to audiences to have someone actually not necessarily live in the yeah. room mm-hmm. but like yeah by video link you know, in your presentation there was this gorilla kino and yeah. hotel kino kino yeah. hotel i love the idea of that <laughs> yeah <laughs> what is that So the the cinema motel is actually a, a motel where you check in, and it's basically a mix between a cinema hotel and an escape room, and it's uh, it's it's interactive, uh, it's participatory, it's a collective experience, it's a social experience. Um, I can share more details with yeah, you I, afterwards. I, I uh, but Sounds fascinating. I, I've, I, 
I just want to address something. I feel like we're sitting here and we have all these like uh, great suggestions that we make. I feel a little. I feel a little yeah. uh, embarrassed. embarrassed. Well, uh, yeah, uh, that's fine. Well, we're talking about we're talking about the themes. I don't think we're you know we're dictating anything. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, that's not that's not um, coming across because Imagine. I think I think we're talking about some of the themes that should been raised in, in the day and exploring yeah. exploring it and and um i mean anorak i would like to to ask you a little bit about your your new business i know you talked about it yesterday but what is the what is the problem you you are solving i guess with that oh my problem is with me a very lack a yeah. lack of transparency yeah uh not knowing as a filmmaker i'm, I'm both the consumer and a filmmaker which is what i said mm. Like as a filmmaker, I want a direct connect with the audience, where I am. There's nobody in between. There's a platform which serves as a multiplex of whole lot of world cinema. As a as a as a where it's like a distribution platform where I upload my film, mm-hmm. I set a price, I learn my lessons, mm-hmm. and I also have a subset of a system which are cinephiles who are working as sub distributors for me. Mm-hmm. Who are if they like the film, they show it to ten different people and they make money off it and they recover money. So we are trying to various kind of uh, ideas with it. But the main idea is that there's a whole lot of cinema that I want to see, and I want to bring that to India because in India we have the largest footfall, but we have very little cinema. Very that's why every show is houseful. You want to watch a movie, you might get ticket for five days later mm-hmm. because cinemas are very little, and In spite of so many footfalls, there's still five uh, percent of the population goes to cinemas mm-hmm. because that's how many number we are. We are very overtly populated country, so mm-hmm. and there's a cinema that doesn't find its space, and for anything that's not big and mainstream will not reach the audience. Mm-hmm. And there's and a big consumer out there. And you want to join the creator more yeah, with and the, and, the yeah, and the, like the I said, I want to watch so many films. And films that disappear after a festival. There's so many films from last year. I don't know where they, where to find them, where to see them. I've read about them. I've heard about them, but I don't know where to find them. So the idea is to go to the person, and nobody cares about those films. So once the film has not sold, I'm trying to control my film. I'm trying to control the journey of my film so I can make maximum money out of it as a distributor, as a sales agent. So I'm trying to assign rights. But the film, has, if the film has not sold, they forget about it because they have a new film to deal with. Mm-hmm. And a cinephile who's searching for that film has to dig it out. Mm. If I want to show a film, I write to the distributors that can I screen a film? Can I get a permission? I'm waiting forever because nobody bothers because it's not making them any money. But as a filmmaker, as an artist, my film is getting lost. Yeah. I think when you look at see, a lot of people made money out of Van Gogh paintings. He died penniless, right? But we are filmmakers who are alive. You want to understand where the journey of it is. <laughs> There's everybody else making money off it. But as a filmmaker, I just want my fair share, mm. so that I can make another film without begging again, mm. going to people borrowing money. Mm. But that ch- that channel, and if I it is not making money, I need to know why it is not making money. I need to be transparent with. But yeah. in the in the food chain, nobody bothers once they've got the film. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be become much more invested, to use a to use that word, or or, or involved in the promotion and the distribution. You're going to yeah. be. There, you know, no, we are it. going to create a very transparent system. Somebody who uploads a film, they will be given a dashboard where they can watch exactly which part of the world who is watching the film. They can track every single screening of the film. 
they can evaluate they can reach out they can they can if they want to they can interact and they can see that somebody is left the film midway 20th minute mm. as a filmmaker will go back and say what is it that provoked him to leave the film mm. midway and not finish the film mm. i'm saying there's a whole lot of there's a transparency there yeah and, and the personalized and dashboard every filmmaker is given i mean we 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 don't have time to go to into it in too much detail but that's that's the blockchain makes that possible erwin uh, um can i come to you because with we are talking about innovation mm -hmm. you attempted a, a, a extremely ambitious project to uh, reimagine the cinema going experience with cinemathon mm -hmm. if you were to approach that project or a similar project again mm -hmm. how would you how how would you do that or what would you do differently i suppose i mean there are so many so many lessons we learned we learned along the way i think one that 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 really remains mm -hmm. uh, that remained with me ever since is like there is a real power in not knowing so not knowing how something will unfold is actually a, a pretty a pretty powerful uh, driver so uh, i would always try to to keep a certain naivete if i if i uh, uh, approach a, a process that um, requires on one side you know a determination in, in in an innovation process it's always it's always necessary to to aim at something and you know the higher you aim the 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 bigger the chances are that something something will will happen but obviously on on that on that journey you know you need to have the 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 freedom in your in your in your thinking to to deviate and to pivot and to and to and to turn back so something that something that 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 we learned in this process that ownership is 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 a core asset someone needs to be responsible and owning not in a not in a legal term not like you own the house but yeah, like you you own the process you're you're responsible you are the person who's actually taking this all the way through so like like a producer takes a process of a film from the beginning to to the end uh, that is something that uh, that we then after after this one um, attempt with the cinematon workshop we try to we try to implement in all subsequent uh, uh, projects that that we did it's it's what we do is actually a, a mix between research research and application and and dissemination and and advocacy for 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 uh, these uh, these these processes because as I, and I, you know i went to film school myself uh, in 5 years we never uh, learned anything but 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 rules you know rules that were set so basically it took me it took me more time to unlearn uh, things that i had learned than actually to learn uh, new new uh, new things so uh, i would actually invest more time in the future in, in unlearning than i did in the past <laughs> must unlearn what we have learned um, we are really close to um ending uh, running out of time here uh i'd just like to put, put one more question to you um and if anyone feels inspired we only have time for one answer so anyone who feels inspired to answer it please do i spoke before briefly about uh, mariana mazzucato the economist and innovator and she says if we have a a goal big enough mm -hmm. an ambition high enough we can innovate and push forward so what would you say would be a goal big enough or a ambition high enough for cinema for the next five years i would say ins inspiration i mean the inspirational potential of cinema uh, 
has always been its strongest power. And, and getting inspired is something that will never cease to interest us and attract us. And I think the, the cinema still has that potential, even maybe more so in the age, in this digital age, because the passiveness, the physical passiveness of being in a cinema and letting oneself be submerged by the story without being solicited to do anything is incredibly wonderful. And that will not change. And as much as I'm involved in the VR interactive digital experience, that is something else. The, the, and, and this is one thing that I find is that it's almost now that I spend much more time in VR headsets than in cinema theaters, I find that the pleasure of being in a cinema theater has a sort of, and I'm sorry, I don't say this in a, in a negative way, a sort of a vintage quality, which is the same way that reading a book today in, on a printed paper is in is incredible quality because it connects us with the past. We're doing something which people before us have been doing. And this tradition, several people talked about the tradition and the traditional value of cinema is something incredibly powerful that we need to protect. And it goes with the servicing of the experience in a digital age that needs to be modernized and improved. But the experience itself needs to remain that passive experience and let the imagination be the immersive vehicle that projects us into the film and give us at least as much of an immersive experience as in VR because the imagination is doing it and nothing else but film does that mm -hmm. as much as I'm convinced you know with the future of and VR. We also, we're also reaching a time and place where people will want to watch things at the same time across the world and yeah. we can take things to their homes. Mm -hmm. We can take things to their home. And the idea of accessibility and choice. Mm -hmm. I get to choose the way I want to watch and experience something and it's there around me and the accessibility to it without so many other boundaries that are trying to control it. Mm -hmm. it's, it's the same way the way internet freed the world. Mm -hmm. And now we are setting more boundaries. We need to just take those boundaries out. Yes, uh, we are out of time. Thank you so much. Uh, just like to thank everyone on the panel. Thank you. So that was my conversation with Wendy Bernfeld, Erwin Schmidt, Anurag Kashyap, and Michelle Hrayak, recorded live at the 2019 New Cinema Conference in Amsterdam. And if you want to find out more about any of the guests on the show or get in touch, I'd love to hear from you. You can do all of this at the home of film disruptors, alexstoltz.com. So that just leaves me to say thank you again for listening and I hope to see you again soon. Future of Film Summit is taking place at BFI South Bank on 26th of November, and tickets are now on general sale at futureoffilm.live. Film has undergone massive disruption in recent years, and the old business models and structures are just not working anymore. But there are now incredible new opportunities too. Transformative technologies, 
cutting edge commercial strategies and creative techniques that are literally revolutionizing the entire film ecosystem. Future of Film Summit is designed for filmmakers, producers, and industry who want to understand these shifts and learn how to incorporate them into their creative and business practice. The summit will feature incredible world-class speakers from across film, tech, and interactive, including creative players behind works like Star Wars Episode Nine, Ad Astra, and Black Mirror Bandersnatch. And that includes visionary designer Alex Modell, VFX legend Tim Weber, and award-winning artist Karen Palmer. But the summit is not just about big Hollywood movies and TV shows. It's about independent filmmakers taking advantage of these same tools and techniques and how you and they can unlock new forms of finance and brand funding. There are also hosts of exciting hands-on learning opportunities with demos of the latest tech, including the chance to experience Magic Leap and intensive workshops on virtual production, well building, and much more. And if that's not enough, we will be hosting the Brand Pitch Create competition, where you can pitch your project to a panel of brand funding experts. So that's Future of Film Summit, 26th of November, more information and tickets available now at futureoffilm.live. Don't miss this incredible opportunity to be part of shaping the future of film.